Welcome to Life-Giving Water Messages, where I expound upon the Word of God and, through the internet, deliver it to you. My name is Rev. Todd Laddick, and today I'm bringing to you part four of a four-part series entitled Celebrate, with today's message specifically entitled Celebrate New Life, based off of Mark chapter 5, verses 35 through 43. So, let us dive into the Word today. While he was speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, Why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only, She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means, Little girl, get up. And the girl, who was twelve years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened, and then he told them to give her something to eat. Amen. Celebrating new life is about celebrating how we are transformed for joy and to thrive. While it may be harder to tell now, ten years ago I was well on my way to pulling off what almost nobody, myself included, thought I would follow, follow through on. That's because in January of 2012 I started something called a juice fast. Now, a juice fast is when you give up for a period of time, usually a week or two or so, uh, sometimes a couple days, sometimes more, but, but you, you give up eating and you, uh, and instead of eating solid food, you juice your meals with vegetables and fruits and you use that with a juicer, which is something you can buy anywhere. You can buy good ones, uh, for, for a price, but you can also get, um, uh, w you know, cheaper ones at Walmart, Target and whatnot. So I did this and, um, basically, uh, what I was doing is uh, every day just making sure that I, I juiced vegetables, juiced fruits, and then each day I did it, I noticed like the first couple days were rough, but then after that I felt better and better and better. Next thing you know, within a week or two, I'm, I'm out taking walks and the walks quickly turned to jogs and I was losing weight. And uh, all the while I was doing the juice fast, very few people thought I would actually follow through. They'd crack jokes like, We've got a bet going on on how long you'll last, or you quit yet? And this critique, actually, uh, at first, you know, it was uh, hurtful, I guess. You know, I laughed it off, acted like it didn't bother me. But over time, this critique actually had the opposite effect than what I think was intended. Instead of caving to the teasing and pressure, I got more focused so determined to finish what nobody thought was possible for me to do. Well, I did. And by the time I had gotten off the juice fast, I had fasted for 60 days, 
lost 66 pounds, and reversed my type 2 diabetes, as well as lowered my cholesterol and blood pressure. The lowest weight I got down to, because following the juice fast, I remained vegan. And I stayed vegan really solidly uh, through, I'd say, 2018, 2019, when I started to, uh, you know, started to um, think maybe I could go vegetarian and have some dairy products and cheese and, you know, eggs and whatnot. And not that I'm a big fan on eggs, but I thought maybe I could do that and it would be a little easier than being vegan. Well... The reason I was able to get down to 185 and stick through the juice fast and stick through being years of years of being vegan, the reason able I, the reason I was able to do it was not by my own power. I have a terrible self control on my own, uh, as you can see, because I am no longer to uh, 185. Uh, but the reason was that God was with me, giving me new life, helping me to accomplish what no one else thought I could. We tend to imagine new life. We tend to imagine new life in uh, or, or new life being eternal life in heaven. And that's true, right? We, we imagine new life being eternal life in heaven, beginning sometime in the near future after death, when everything will be all right and good. But restricting new life to what happens after we die does not allow us to embrace the new life that God is creating for us here and now. This story can be a difficult one for some of us that we've read today about Jairus and his daughter, as not everyone who has faith will experience miracles. And in fact, if you read the text close, Jesus doesn't say that to anybody, that everyone who has faith will experience a miracle. Jesus just tells the people that he's talking to to have faith, and then through their faith, the miracle comes. So we know that not everyone who has faith will experience miracles. We all know that to be true. And this can raise questions about why some people are healed, saved from harm, etc., and others uh, are not. And I'm very sensitive to this, and I want to be clear that we do not all receive new life in the form of miraculous healing, but something even greater in the grand scheme of things. New life happens in all sorts of different ways, and thank God for it. And I often say when people, you know, like, it's not that, I mean, we all pray for physical and miraculous healings. I mean, we all have and we all will. That's, you know, when you love somebody, that's what you do and God wouldn't want it any other way. Um, but what it comes down to is if, if new life was only, only limited to physical healing or supernatural healing, uh, think about all the ways we'd miss out in God's grace, not to mention that at some point, since we are all finite and mortal, some point we'd die anyway. So even if people we're praying for are healed, and some are, no doubt, and some aren't, uh, even if they are, at some point in time, they're going to die. Let's take Lazarus, for instance. You know, Lazarus was raised from the dead, but at some point his earthly life was going to come to an end, just like every other human human's earthly life. So all I'm saying is that there's a bigger, greater picture 
than just our physical lives and uh, physical healing. Not that those things aren't important. So I want to be clear that we do not all receive new life in the form of miraculous uh, healing, um, but something even greater in the grand scheme of things. New life, new life happens in all sorts of different ways. Further, an absence of supernatural miracles does not reflect an absence of faith. And I want to make that clear. I'll share a story. I don't think my mom would mind. Uh, but we were once at this like um, fairly evangelical, ecumenical kind of uh, worship thing. And uh, met at a church, and we were in the church, and uh, it was to bring you know all different denominations and non-denominations together, and to worship God in spirit and in truth, and not, and to drop all of the things that that divide us. And it was a good idea. At that, my mom was sharing with one of the people there about how she had terrible back pain, and like you know she's prayed and prayed and prayed for it to 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 change and you know like and and you know so far she's she still has that back pain and she's hoping god will take it away from her and i basically think she was asking for prayer and the the response she got was well you're just not praying hard enough or you need to have more faith so again i will say further an absence of supernatural miracles does not reflect an absence of faith. Just because somebody is struggling and not receiving miraculous supernatural healing does not mean they don't have faith or aren't praying for it. In fact, if that is what it meant, what would that say about the faith of Paul, Peter, the thief on the cross, Abraham, Sarah, Mary Magdalene, <laughs> Jesus, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, and all the countless others who suffered and or died without receiving a supernatural miracle to save them. I mean, when you really think about it, whether we suffer or not, whether we're physically healed or not, indicates in no way, shape, or form what our faith is. And for somebody to assume that they are making an egregious mistake one that I think uh, truly uh, we will have to answer for someday, you know? Like, if that's how we're going to judge others, then, you know, where was your faith when you didn't get this? Or where was your faith when you didn't get that, you know? God will hold us all to account if we're going to mistreat people and uh, judge. And, and Jesus does say that, you know, do not judge, for you will be judged according to the standard with which you judge. But again, we, we have to admit that, that faith... Uh, is not uh, is not in question just because somebody isn't receiving healing. And clearly, faith is not a guarantee that we will be spared the ills and illnesses of the world. Again, I just named a few, and I'll name them again. We had Paul beheaded, Peter crucified upside down, the thief on the cross crucified. Just because he repented and changed to God didn't mean the nails came off and he was able to walk home, you know? Abraham, Sarah... Mary Magdalene, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the thief on the cross, Abraham, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm repeating some of those, uh, Rosa Parks, and all of the countless others who suffered and or died without receiving a supernatural miracle. So again, faith is not a guarantee. Faith uh, is what gives us assurance in such times that we are not going alone, 
that we are not alone. And that is truly miraculous. When I see people who would otherwise have given up on their own power continue through great adversity and trials and, and illnesses and whatnot, and yet are still witnessing to the power of God in their lives, that is a true witness. And uh, that is just as powerful of a witness as a miraculous healing. And it is just as miraculous. Now, I want you to notice that Jairus continues to have faith even after the worst news has been delivered. That his daughter is now past the point of death, as it says in Mark chapter 5, verse 23, and is now dead, as it says in Mark chapter 5, verse 35. So, his faith existed even before Jesus interacted with him, clearly. I mean, that's why he's reaching out to Jesus, because he knows Jesus can do something about this. He has faith. In the face of this news, Jesus comforts Jairus with the words, Do not fear, only believe. Because mixed in with that faith is fear, as it would be for any parent. And it would seem that Jairus did continue to have faith that Jesus would do something for him. We see that right in the text. So, uh, when Jesus arrives at the house, those who are mourning laugh at him when he says that the girl is only sleeping. And those who do not have faith, and I want you to make note of this, are removed and do not witness firsthand the miracle Jesus is about to perform. Their lack of faith bars them from seeing it. Jesus takes those with him who are closest to him and those who have hope in Jesus' abilities, and they became the firsthand witnesses to the raising of new life. So you see how that works? It's important to note here that sometimes our faith allows and helps us to see life in places where without faith, without faith, we might not be able to recognize it or get close enough to it. Historically and theologically, in Jesus' time, there was a very different understanding about sickness and sin. And it was believed that sickness was related to having sinned. Now, this would cause a break with the community, meaning that the afflicted would be shunned and not welcomed in the temple or in public places, for they were seen as sinners under God's curse. But Jesus' healing miracles are about restoring not only physical but also spiritual health, and thereby welcoming people back into a right relationship with one another and with the community and the temple. And in fact, a community that is looking at somebody's sickness as if they sinned is a community judging people and putting themselves in the place of God. And Jesus heals this girl and shows that she's not sick by any sin. She's not dead because of her sin. She's not dead because of her parents' sins. She's dead because she lives in a world where people get sick and die. And Jesus' healing miracles are about restoring not just the physical, but also the spiritual health. And so we see this. When Jesus restores the little girl back to life, he is offering her connection, community, and belonging again. She doesn't just get her life back. That's great that she did. But she got connection, community, and belonging again. She got 
the people to turn their attitudes of judgment toward her to attitudes of worship toward God. Now we see what a miracle does. The miracle is seldom about us who are receiving it and more about those who are witnessing it. How can we both have the faith and be open to receiving similar gifts of life from Jesus? And how do we celebrate when we do? The restoration Jesus offers is for all people. That in Christ we are taken out of our sleeping state and offered the opportunity to be able to live and thrive. So I, I want to share a story though because, you know, again, how can we both have the faith and be open to receiving similar gifts of life from Jesus? And how do we celebrate that when we do? Now, there's a story I want to tell before we before I go on because um, the other day I had come in and uh, I was going to meet with somebody. So when I came into the church, I unlocked the door to make sure it was unlocked for them. And after doing so, I did what uh, any good person would do, and that is go back to my office and work and wait for said person to arrive, not thinking anything of it, not at all. And so, um, you know, sometime during that time period, I hear a voice, and uh, my uh, office uh, administrator was talking, and I hear pastor, and I come out, and here's this woman who just lost her father that morning. I mean, lost her father. He was he lived a ripe old age, but still, when you lose somebody you love, there's never, it's never a good thing, and you're always in meek grief and mourning. And so she was really upset, and I was able to be there for her, pray with her, and console her, and also set up, uh, you know, begin to set up arrangements and whatnot. And I think like that the miracle of that unlocked door any other time it would have been locked but because i was meeting with somebody else this woman was able to come in that moment and receive a miraculous healing of presence the miraculous healing of presence in a time of need and she'll need much more of that obviously as her and her family go through the process of grief so the restoration jesus offers is for all people that in Christ, we are taken out of our sleeping state and offered the opportunity to be able to live and thrive. Jesus did not just raise people to new life so that they could continue on in the same old way. I mean, Jesus raised people to new life so they could thrive, so that they could celebrate, and so that they could live transformed. What's more, Jairus is only one example of Jesus raising people to new life. Did he not also raise Peter and Paul to new life? How about Mary Magdalene, Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea? How about Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? How about you, me, us all? There are countless stories that we find in our communities and in our own lives about finding joy and celebration in the midst of things that do not seem like they should bring celebration or joy think about the celebration and joy that we are experiencing as we watch the ukrainians fight vehemently for their country with patriotism and and uh, solidarity so i mean that's not a joyful situation that's not a happy celebration it doesn't seem like we should be celebrating war but in that situation yeah so it's not about finding 
superficial joy or the bright side to every situation. No, there's no bright side to the war in Ukraine at all. There's nothing bright about it. People having to fight for their country is not a bright spot <laughs> at all. But rather, it is about celebrating the, the, that Jesus is bigger than death and that new life is about healing, thriving, and being the best version of you that you were created to be. I want to encourage you to think about one sign of new life in your own lives and commit to celebrating it. If you cannot think of anything, maybe it is time to seek support from your church community or from professionals in whatever struggles you're dealing with, depending on what it is, so that you can begin to move toward healing. Yet some of you may need to simply put on the eyes of faith, so to speak, to make an adjustment in your perspective and grow in your relationship with God in order to be able to see the life that is in front of you. So this is a good time to recap and summarize the Celebrate series as a whole. Remember that we talked about celebrating diversity, unity, God's promises fulfilled, and new life in Jesus Christ. The gift of new life we receive in Jesus is one in which diversity is celebrated, rather than being a cause for division. The gift of new life we receive in Jesus is a life of unity, born not from uniformity, but growing together in faith. The gift of new life we receive in Jesus allows us to inherit, along with Abraham and the people of Israel, the promise of the blessing that God is working in the world. Here at Newton, and hopefully if you're not at our church, wherever you are, new life is bubbling forth. We've baptized and brought in new members. We have a growing and vibrant children's ministry that is accommodating to parents and children alike. We here at Newton are reaching... Uh, are reaching uh, and feeding uh, hungry children, reaching out to a diverse people who connect with us through Treasures of Hope. One of those families also has young children and comes to our family fun and movie nights. These are all things to celebrate, amen? So let us rejoice and celebrate what we are doing even as we joyfully anticipate growing from where we are to where God is calling us to be. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, I just thank you and praise you for this opportunity to, to bring this message to people today. And I hope, Lord, it inspires them, gives them hope. I hope that they, they feel that, um, that you are with them and that you are giving them new life. And you are also uh, empowering them to be a witness to others so that they can experience that new life in you. But in all these things, Lord, we thank you and praise you and trust that you are ever guiding us from where we are to where you have created and called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And friends, I, I want to thank you for tuning in. It's always uh, a pleasure to have you here, and I hope you get out of it as much as I get into it. Uh, you know, you know, get in, uh, get out of it from uh, doing it. But all the same, uh, these messages are meant to be inspirational and hopeful, but also challenging because we need to be challenged to to grow and to continue to serve our Lord. So remember, check out those episode notes. There's links there to give if this is your 
uh, main sustenance, spiritual sustenance for the week, and you have the means to and would like to give, uh, First United Methodist Church of Newton would be most uh, grateful for it. And if this is simply supplemental and you have a, a faith community of your own, by all means support and give to that community. And if you have it in you to give to both, we would be both very grateful. So with all that said, friends, remember you are richly blessed. So be a blessing to others. Amen.